Why Nickers? Bernard pulls the trigger. And this is a brand. Nickers is a brand. Allen Houston. Nickers means Lord. Once a neck, always a neck. Thank you all for joining us here on Nickish. You got your boys Mo, Nafi, and Faiz. It is January 31st, so have a safe night tonight and happy early New Year to you all. Uh, today's episode is our guest of the month episode, and while I normally say we use these episodes to bring in some of the biggest Knicks fans we can find today, we're doing it a little bit differently, uh, but we'll get into that in a second. Want to bring your attention to our website, nick-ish.com, where we have our crew neck, which is built for that New York City brick weather that's going on right now, alongside our hoodies and hats, currently on sale till January 2nd with promo code Holiday Nickish. Again, that's Holiday Nickish right now on our website, nick-ish.com. Check it out today. Now, bringing in my man, Nafi. What's going on, bro? Much fan, excited for today's episode. Definitely a change of pace for us. We're kind of a, a Homer centric podcast. So I'm excited to get into this conversation. How you doing, Faiz? I'm doing good, you know, excited to have our guest, excited to start the new year, start a, a new fresh leaf. Cause I know I need it and I know the Knicks need it. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, yeah. So today's guest of the month for December 2022, very last guest of the year. Um, we saved it for the very last day, uh, is someone who has his own podcast, the bed, the bad weather fans podcast, uh, guest, uh, sorry, host of it is, uh, Mike, who is a Nets fan, but he's always welcome onto the show. Mike, what's going on, man? How you doing today? I'm doing really well. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be in the presence of all Nick fans. I always get a <laughs> kick out of that. I do enjoy that a lot and I'm excited. I know we're rec- recording this in December, but I'm looking forward, hopefully, when people are listening to the, to this, the Nets are on an 11-game winning streak because they have the Hornets tonight in Charlotte. But yeah, no, thank you for having me on. I'm excited to do yeah, it. Yeah, man, thanks. Thanks for that. Thanks for just throwing that in there. We should have done this episode two weeks ago. It would have been perfect, but it's all good. It's all good. You're right. Um, the Nets right now, as you mentioned, 11-game winning streak. Kevin Durant is playing. Sorry, what was that? 10 games right now. 10 games, yes, from yes, with, don't want to chase him on his on the pod, you know? Like never get ahead of we, ourselves. Or it's all good. All good. So so 10 game winning streak, the longest winning active winning streak right now in the NBA. Uh Kevin Durant is playing out of his mind. You know, after that Achilles injury, we thought that you know, many in the NBA in the world thought that he might not be able to get back to what he is. Sure. And right now he's playing even better than he's used to, uh, or he used to, and he's playing like a leader. So that being said, give us your quick thoughts on this 10 game winning streak. And um, to a point, do you feel like it's sustainable? Obviously, obviously not the streak, sure. but at least at least the way they're playing right now. And uh, just general thoughts. Yeah, the big difference for me watching this team is this is the first time I've ever seen them play defense, like legit play defense in the Nets era. And that includes the big three with Harden. Uh, this team is winning games and scoring at an elite pace, shooting at an elite pace. But the difference for them is. They're playing defense. Uh, You know, it's like the 10th best defense rating in the last month. So for the Nets, they're going to score. They've got crazy options, of course, with Durant and Kyrie and a a nice amount of role players that go around them. But if they're going to defend like this, that's what gives me a little bit, a little bit more hope than maybe I've had in the past with this team. Nick Claxton's defending in an obscure, obscured rate. You know, Ben Simmons has been awesome defensively. You know, everybody likes to point out all these games when he misses a shot here or there, but no one will point out the game versus the Cavs when Donovan Mitchell went five for 19 from the field and did nothing. He's having that kind of impact on this team. And 
for me, that's the big difference. We know Kyrie now has been great since the suspension's been over. He leads the league in fourth quarter points. Uh, this team right now is doing everything right. Um, and it starts on defense that's changed. And it really goes back to when Jacques Vaughn took over for the Nets. Um, I thought, I, I, I guess I, I was wrong here. I thought using Steve Nash to say there was the problem. I thought they needed him to go. I, I absolutely had to leave. But I also thought at the same time, like, how much of a difference could Jacques Vaughn make? Um, and they've bought in. You know, you say what you want about that and you're making this much money. Do you really need that? You can make those arguments. But since Jacques Vaughn's took over, they play defense. And for me, that's that's the big takeaway from these wins. And that maybe gives me a little hope that once they get to the playoffs, that maybe this is sustainable and can beat a Bucks, can beat a Celtics, you know, can beat a Sixers and teams like that. You say Jacques Vaughn, just him taking over. He's like kind of the the tide, the, the rising tide that raised all boats. Like it was just kind of him coming in and just. Yeah, there was like a night and day thing because I know Steve Nash got a lot of heat for not being a coach, really. Totally. And there's one play in particular that I remember, and I, I loved when this happened. And I really thought it set the tone for the team, but the, I don't remember who they were playing now. But Kyrie Irving went up the court and, and there was reports out that when Steve Nash was the coach, Kyrie Irving would just tell Steve Nash, no, no, I got the play. I got the play. Kyrie, there was a play that was given in, you know, for the team. Kyrie shook it off, took a shot or made a play. Jacques Vaughn called a timeout, benched Kyrie Irving, took him out of the game. Kyrie sat to the side, sulked. Yes, that was not the greatest thing in the world, right? But ultimately, it gained respect for Jacques Vaughn. And I use that as an example of what I saw from this team and what's changed. It's plays like that, or it's it's little situations like that that have made such a big difference. And now Kyrie, maybe it's because he knows that he has $250 million on the line and has to, and has to play well, or else he's not going to get a new contract. But it's little things like that that have changed where I'm like, they have the respect they're buying in, which they never had for Steve Nash. And that is just an example of how things have changed. And now this team buying in and playing defense for the first time. And I can remember in the KD Kyrie era for sure. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is a team that is expected to play at the level that they're playing at when you have three superstars, including Ben Simmons, if, if, you know, you still consider him to be a superstar, I, I think he can still turn it around, but you know, at the level that they're playing at, Jack Vaughn is holding them accountable. And that's the thing that Steve Nash wasn't doing. That's the reason why Kevin Durant and Kyrie were pushing for him because they can play as they please. And that obviously didn't work out because there's so many distractions. But right now, it's about basketball. And mm-hmm. when it comes down to just basketball, KD is a top five player and Kyrie is a top five point guard. And they're both playing like it. Wasn't there a game where Jack Vaughn benched all the starters or am I mistaken? Well, there was a game where they they rested their top eight players. And this was just on a back-to-back and the Nets weren't playing anybody. It was Kyrie, Durant, Simmons, Joe Harris, Seth Curry, Royce O'Neal, Nick Claxton, and I'm spacing on the eighth. But what happened was they played the Pacers on a back-to-back. You know what it's like when you rest literally everybody. The Nets came out, they were down 14 in the third quarter, came back and won that game. It was the third game in the eight-game winning to 10-game winning streak. And that really, even though none of the guys played, galvanized this team and started to believe even more. Where here's a team that's resting everybody. They came out, they had a focus. They were on sharp, had a double-double. Patty Mills came off the bench from the dead. He had 24 points. Edmund Sumner, who's been a revelation, was fantastic. Here are the Nets. They defeat the Pacers with nobody. Indiana, a much better basketball team than people thought. Halliburton, uh, you know, has turned it on. And they got that win. And from there, they really, 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 really took off. And that game in particular where nobody played, 
but made a huge difference in the identity of this team. Again, just showing that it's, you know, KD made the point last year, and this is what, what annoyed him was when he went out and it was hurt. And I know he's going to be hurt. They're not going to win games. But he said when he was out, they had no chance to win basketball games. I think for him seeing that made him even believe a little bit more like maybe we got something cooking here where even if I don't play, I can rely on a much deeper bench than they have. Only in the, in the final guy was TJ Warren, who's now jumped back in my mind. who has been fantastic. Yeah, I mean, like, from the dead, to the your way. point, <laughs> to your point, like, uh, the, the role players that they have around those, like, the, the big two right now, Kevin Durant and Kyrie, they've been sure. – They've been playing phenomenal. Like even guys like Cam Thomas, when he does get an opportunity to play, he gives, he provides that spark that the Nets just didn't have before. And I like your point that you you had to say about like in this specific era, because no matter how good the team was, no matter what options they had over the last few years, the defense was just never there. You could just tell, you could just never, you could tell the team wasn't really clicking together and they weren't buying in. And to your point, like, it looks like a whole different Nets team when guys like, you know, Royce O'Neal is doing the dirty work. Ben Simmons, he knows he has to pick up and do that dirty work that KD and Kyrie shouldn't have to do because they're, they're bona fide superstars. And KD, man, like you got to give the guy his flowers. Like as much as you, I want to hate on him for the move to, to, to Golden State. And then now playing crosstown rivals, like, man, he's been better after the Achilles than he has pre Achilles. It's, it's crazy to see a, an athlete just like forget basketball player, but an athlete like that. Yeah, he's been phenomenal. I mean, as a Nets fan, I'm really spoiled that I get to watch him now on a day in day out basis to see such greatness where when he misses, you're surprised by it. I mean, it's almost shocking when he misses a shot, when the guy's shooting 57 percent from the field, making ridiculous shots. But again, I go back to the other part of him. This is the best defense Kevin Durant's ever played. He's top 10 in the league in blocks. He had a play the other night where he blocked the shot and then went down, hustled, threw it out and, and saved it from going out of bounds. His leadership on the defensive side has set the tone. This this Nets team leads the league in blocks in the mm. last 10 games. This is a, they were last in rebounding. In the last in this in this winning streak, they're even with teams. So it shows if they give effort, rebound, play defense, they have the offensive skill set to do it. You know, back in my mind as a net fan who's never seen a championship, who would, who would love to see a championship more than anything else, has been waiting his whole life. You know, in the back of my mind, I'm like, because of this history with this team, I'm trying not to do this, but it's like waiting for that shoe to drop, waiting for right, that right. bad moment to happen. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm trying to enjoy it a little bit more and get in the moment difficult. Because I know, you know, what they're doing now is um, keep building, keep grinding. And then hopefully when playoffs come, you know, I can see something I've never seen before. Nets championship. <laughs> were you a Nets fan when they were in Jersey? I've been a Nets fan. My, my Yes, I had season tickets from we had tickets from 98 to 2004. Uh, went to Nets finals games versus the Lakers. My first ever Nets game with Drazen Petrovic dropped 44 on the Rockets and won. Uh, so I've been a net fan since 93, I want to say. Um, never real, you know, I lived in Jersey. It was uh, 15 minutes to go see the Nets. It was $10. And I said, this is fun. My dad took me and uh, never really saw the appeal of the other team in the area. Mm. <laughs> I mean, it b- makes sense being from Jersey. Like why, why else? What would you root for like your team? Right? Like, yeah, well, I mean, there's a lot. I mean, to be, and I'm being a little sarcastic, but I understand like, you know, I went to net games, but you know, there's nothing like going to the garden and seeing the Knicks. So I was amongst a lot of at the time Bulls fans, uh, you know, with Jordan, of course, and then Nick fans, because, you know, it's it's only where I lived is still only 20, 25 minutes right, in the right. garden. So it's not exactly so far away. But I always just I don't know, I always just gravitated towards the Nets. We went to the games and uh, just kind of 
kind of fell in love with draws and Kenny Anderson. And then of course, the Jason Kidd era was, um, you know, the best I've seen. And I'm, I'm hoping this, this kind of trumps it in the next couple of months. Yeah. And this kind of steers away a little bit from the actual basketball game, but since the move to Brooklyn and now you feel kind of that New York media pressure that the Knicks fans have been facing for decades, I sure. to face on a daily basis. I mean, how, has you, how do you feel about the team in that, in that sense? Do you feel like the pressure is too much that that move to Brooklyn wasn't really it that maybe, maybe staying in Jersey could have been the move. No, nah, they had, I mean, I would have personally liked it if they stayed in New Jersey for convenience factor and going to games is so easy. Going to the Barclays center is a major pain in the ass, mm. but I think for the growth of this team and the health of the team, like Kevin Durant's never on the nets if they don't move to Brooklyn. And I don't think, uh, you know, like I, this is a conversation that happens a lot. Like I hate the Knicks, you know, just like I would say, if you're a giants fan, you hate the Cowboys. And I don't think you should be ashamed to say you dislike another team in your division, especially when they're in the same area. Uh, but I also recognize that the Knicks are the bigger team in this spot. And I think what's happened is, you know, the Nets have come in and grown, definitely grown a, a, a lot. Uh, are they the Knicks? No, but they've definitely grown and taken some of that space that's created a little bit more of a rivalry, which I think if the two teams ever got great at the same time would be there. Unfortunately, the Knicks have been bad. The Nets then were a mess and it, it's never quite clicked quite yet. Um, but to answer back to your question, yeah, there's media pressure and it's definitely amped up. Uh, I don't think that's a bad thing. I think it's a good thing for the growth of the fan base. I think it's good for, to put a little pressure on the team. Uh, so I, I don't mind it. I like to see it. So, yeah, I'm a little disappointed they're out of Jersey because that was awesome for me personally. But I know for, you know, merchandise, sales, growing the fan base, like now, you know, little kids between the ages of 7 to 14, right, when they have a choice between who they want to like, do you want to like, you know, R.J. Barrett or do you want to like Kevin Durant? I don't know. I can't speak for 8-year-olds, but I can say it's probably <laughs> – it, it's, a, it's a harder it's right it's rj barrett no, no. it's a harder conversation to have which which i get and i recognize there uh at the same time that's the kind of stuff that needed to happen uh you know for this team to to, to grow in the market and you know get bigger well luckily for the knicks they still managed to stay competitive while that happened because you're absolutely right like like kids are like gravitating towards guys like Kyrie, guys towards kd for better or for worse you know you know role model all that but like sure. um the Knicks staying competitive, getting that fourth seat that year, it 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 kept it like kind of like even the battle still going because I still do see a lot of young Knicks fans. And sure. it, it, you know, I feel bad for them, but like you know, it is what it is. They're they're still joining while they can. Uh, don't don't feel bad for them. So that's that's their <laughs> choice. They want to go in that direction. That's fine. But yeah, no, it's I, Listen, I always I, cringe a little bit. Like I, I I'm a Giant fan. I'm a Mets fan. And the other teams don't really annoy me that much. But like when I see Nick stuff, like there is definitely <laughs> like the vomit reaction. Triggering. Like, it's, see. it's triggering when I see it. Um, and that's because I know, you know, going to net games, a little kid and having it be, you know, all Nick fans annoyed me. But yeah, no, it's a uh, but I get I, I, it. I'd love I'd love to see. I understand, too, for the health of basketball. I think it would be awesome if the Knicks and Nets were, were both awesome at the same time. I think the city would get into it. I think it'd be a lot of fun. So I will say it's because the Knicks and the Nets play in the same conference, so they're fighting sure. for the same stuff. But then when you look right. at the Mets and the Yankees, like or the Giants and the Jets, like the Jets or, for example, the Yankees for you, like there, there's no effect on your team based on how they perform until right. maybe a Super Bowl, maybe a World Series. But the thing is – Nets and Knicks, it's every night. It's like neck and neck. You're watching the you're watching the standings. Like, oh, the Nets just lost. That helps me. The Knicks just lost. Right. That helps me. You know what? Like, totally. No, totally. And that's why I say, like, if they were ever, you know, really good at the same time, um, I think, I think that would be great. Um, you know, I say that with a, you know, I, I don't want the Knicks to win, but I do un understand and recognize that. So it's been interesting to watch the Knicks 
you know, over the last 13, 14 games, go on an eight game winning streak and then play complete reversal and just tank uh, has been, you know, I watch Nick games, not like I'm watching net games, of course, but just fascinating to kind of see. Um, you can be honest. See. You're enjoying, you're enjoying oh. the tailspin. Yeah, be honest. Yeah, no, I, I do. I do enjoy it. Yes, <laughs> I do. I do enjoy it a lot. I would say, you know, it's funny because it's. Yeah, I know. I, I love it. It's great. And I, and I get that. But I understand, like, I'm sure you love when, you know, the Nets had their Almost disaster definitely. last year and swept Almost the Celtics definitely. swept the Nets like we dedicated imagine... episodes just to the Nets those are the yeah, only Nets episodes we had <laughs> but see I see I respect that see I this is what annoys me this is this is this is what annoys me like I'll never I'll, I can I can talk realistically about Knicks basketball and I can tell you when things are going well and 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 get my disdain for them in a different conversation exactly but at the exactly. same time be like I can say, yeah, the Knicks were playing really well. They're doing this, they're doing that, but I don't like them, you know. I, and and, and that that to me is important, and, and that's why I respect what you're saying when you're like, I loved when the Nets lost. Like to me, I get more upset or annoyed if like if somebody's like, yeah, the Nets lost. I don't care, whatever. They're irrelevant in this city. They're irrelevant mm. to me. They don't matter. It's like, mm. well, I mean, if the Nets if the Nets are were annoying again. There was a lot of young Nets. They were very annoying. It was nice to see them lose. I can't blame you for enjoying their failures. How could mm. you not? I I totally see it from that lens. And if I was a Nick fan, would probably feel the same exact way. So I will say there's like these three categories of Nets fans. And like, I feel like you fall into the first category where like, I have no problem having a conversation with you because you really like basketball and you've been a Nets fan since the Jersey yeah. days. Okay. But then there's a, there's a group that's been there since the Brooklyn days. And I get it. Like, you're from Brooklyn. That's why you want to represent a team from Brooklyn. But this new era of fans that are like super KD and Kyrie focused, it's so hard to talk basketball with them because it's like you don't even understand the struggle to be a net fan because there is like a there was like a little bit of like hazing as a net fan. Like you do get you did get beat up a little bit, like, you know, a lot of shit talking. And sure. I feel like it's a little bit more of a joust with those types of fans as opposed right. to this new era of fans who are just more like. They're like LeBron fans. You know what I mean? Like they just move from player to player, team to team. I, I'm not a big fan of that. I could, I completely see you on that and I'll, and I'll counter it here and I'll play a little devil's advocate because yes, I appreciate you saying I'm a tier one net fan, which I don't know if that makes me cooler, <laughs> but I'll say this, like, you know, when, when you were growing, like when some kids growing up and it was 1995 and they had an option between being a fan of Patrick Ewing, Charles Oakley and Anthony Mason, or they had a fan, a ch- you know, to be Derek Coleman and Kenny Anderson. And there might be an older person going, are you going, of course, you're going to pick that team. Of course, right. that new younger fan. So I get how that's annoying to you. But at the same time, this is how it starts. This is how it builds. And I- I'll completely separate it from like the, the fan that just jumps. It's a KD stand or a Kyrie stand. Right. That that annoys me. There's a group of F fans that are like, I can't take these. People. You know what I'm saying? So I totally get that aspect of it. But I would also say to the newer, younger age net fan, that's annoying. They have to start somewhere. And unfortunately, that's how it rolls. Like, that would be me saying, I can't, I would be upset that somebody chose Patrick Ewing over Dwayne Shinches. I get no, it. Fresh starts, Patrick Ewing. With fresh starts, I can never complain because that, that's a decision you made on your own. I'm sure. talking more about, I've never seen it pre Katie and Kyrie, but I've actually seen Nick fans. Like, I have pictures of you in a Porzingis jersey swapping. Well, that's bad. Out. After Katie and Kyrie, though, before, before that, they That's never bad. left Brooklyn. They're like, from you're Brooklyn. talking about 21 year old plus, right? 21 yeah, plus people like, who just switch sides yeah, because they got Katie and Kyrie. And then Oof. my thing is like, so what happens? Like, inevitably, when Katie and Kyrie inevitably have to move on, like, 
Are you still a Nets fan? Or are you going to jump to the next team? What, what you're talking about with these young kids, I, I love it. I love right. it. You know, if, if you're picking the Nets, that's for you. How, I can't convince you to change your mind and stuff. That's that's what you see, what you gravitate towards. But these kids were flip-flopping, man. Ugh. And, and here's the beautiful part for me. I don't care. So. You know, like for me, it's all about one, it's, it's one result, right? It's winning a championship. Right. Can right. they win a title? And, you know, that'll be something that I've, I've seen two NBA finals. They've come, they came up short. The second one was close versus the Spurs. It got to six. They had their chances, especially late. Um, Kenyon was terrible in game six, different conversation. But, the, you know, for me, like that's the ultimate milestone. And that's all I care about. So I know that, there's annoying net fans and I know that they've gotten on other teams and fans nerves, but for me, it's about results and how they yeah, play and what mm-hmm. they can do. And, you know, knock on wood, I, I get to see it. Yeah. And for the listeners here, Nafi looks like he lost his account here. So he's, it's, <laughs> it's just me, Faiz and, and Mike for, for the rest of this episode. Uh, but you know, we'll, we'll remember Nafi. <laughs> so um, Mike wanted to ask, with the way that the team's playing right now, is it is it title or bust now? Because it, that's how it should be. When you have two superstars on the team, it should always be title or bust. So I know I know coming into the season, we weren't sure what's going on. I mean, KD did have that trade trade request, and Kyrie was in and out. Um, but the way we're seeing the cohesion of the team now, and everyone's stepping up, is it? Are you seeing it now as a position of it's it's title or bust? Yeah, it's always been title or bust, but it's like an interesting it's an interesting question because the way the offseason occurred and I was happy that everybody was coming back because I, for the Nets to win a championship, that was the best route, even if there was so much dysfunction that it happened. But I realized that. Um, and then for me, like I just I've really been humbled as a fan, too, because I think in years past, I definitely got a little bit more cocky and I was like. We just need health going into the playoffs. We'll see what happens. We got the talent. Let's go there. And I realized from last year, that is a terrible idea, a terrible decision. If you're going to win a championship, you need to take the regular season seriously. You obviously need good health. That goes without saying, and that that will matter once you get there. You need good health, but you need cohesiveness. You need good energy, and you need a team. Um, So I was just hoping for that. And then the way the season started, you couldn't have had anything further from that. I mean, it was a complete utter mess so yes to answer your question yeah that was the goal that was even the goal at two and six so yeah i think when Kyrie and kevin durant are on your roster that will be the mentality but at the same time i don't want the nets to take steps jump steps like they're so far away they haven't proven anything against the elite teams when it matters we haven't seen them in a big spot like there's there's still so much more growth that has to happen for this team to have a chance but yeah, you know, if they lose in the second round, I'm going to be pretty, pretty disappointed and, and depressed about it. Um, how do you feel that the the Nets compete with the other like Eastern Conference juggernauts? Because we know like the Boston Celtics just made the finals. Jason Tatum's been playing as amazing as ever. Philly, I'm not as scared of, but like, you know. They've been clicking. They, I think they're on their win streak as well. I, I think it might be on an eight-game win streak. Last time I checked with the Knicks, they were they were at least on seven or eight. But um, yeah, or or even the Bucks. Like, how do you feel like the Nets stack up to those teams? Yeah, the Celt- You know, the Nets had a good win. Um, win number eight in a row was at home versus the Bucks. They beat them by twenty. There was no Chris Middleton, which of course makes a huge difference. Uh, the Celtics right now, they're the best team in the NBA. You watch the way they play; uh, they're incredible. You know, I, I don't think the Nets are quite at that level yet, but at the same time, like 
there's only one way to answer it. And I could sit here and be like, do you think they could beat the Celtics or Bucks in the playoffs? Yes. Do I think they could lose to the Celtics and the Bucks? Yes. Did three weeks ago, if you asked me this question, I would say they have no chance in hell versus any of these teams, the way they're playing defense, I could see it happen, but it, they would, there's an eliteness to the next level. They would even have to go at uh, the way the Celtics are playing. It's, it's definitely doable, uh, but I couldn't fault anybody that said the Celtics are the better team and are the team to be reckoned with. Um, it'd be hard for me to make that argument, right? Like, you know, the Nets have done it in the regular season. They've looked good, but they haven't done it in the playoffs ever. So I, I'd have to give the nod to the other ones, but I'd still be, I'd still be disappointed if they didn't. Like, I don't expect them to win. Sounds like after last year, the Celtics are a little bit like, they're the ones that are worrying you a little bit the most, right? Because I've heard you, you mentioned them a few times. Compared the, the to the last, other teams. The last loss actually came at the hands of the Celtics. You, you guys would not, be on a 15-game win streak right now yeah, if it weren't for the Celtics. That's the, one, to think about. that's the one team, and I think a little bit has to do with, yes, the Bucks beat them a couple of years ago, but that net team was destroyed by injuries in the second round. No Kyrie Irving and James Harden was out there, but he wasn't James Harden. He was just, he was just out there, you know, as a distraction. And they took the bucks to seven games and the Durant toe thing, the whole deal. Mm-hmm. So I, I see them and they're, they're the champion, but to me, like they feel more beatable. What I saw versus the Celtics, I was like terrified just of how Tatum scares me so much, a little bit more than Giannis on his skill set and don't get me wrong Giannis is amazing but like to me I see Tatum shoot and every time I'm like yeah, shocked when he misses the Celtics team defense in big spots the way they rotate the way they rebound the way they shoot the three uh that's that scares me a lot and you know the Bucks right now without Chris Middleton it's just you know or I think he may have come back but point is it was just they don't feel the same to me the Celtics right now are like the team uh and for good reasons you know they went to the finals last year and they have the best record in the NBA yeah, it feels I mean, as though you could always scheme against uh, Giannis, but then yeah, you're right. With Tatum, it's like you got to tip your hat sometimes. He yeah, he's been he's just been incredible. Him and Brown, you know, their defense is uh, is this is it's the leap for sure. Amazing one two punch. Like you, you, once you're like not worried about Tatum anywhere, Brown just comes from behind and then just yeah, yeah. I mean, Celtics leading the East right now. And I think the NBA at 26 and 10. The Nets are third, tied for second actually at 23 and 12 with with the Bucks. Uh, so, so Mike, we're sure that you know a good bit about the Knicks because yes. you have a podcast with with the with the fellow Knicks fan Alex. So, how do you feel about the Knicks and Leon Rose? Obviously, the Knicks were on an eight game winning streak, and now they're on a five game losing streak. You, you know, we're we're so we're missing R.J. Barrett and Jalen Brunson, two of our main starters, arguably our best player in in Brunson. So, how do you feel about the way the front office has been utilizing their their assets and how Tibbs has been as a coach? Yeah, they're, I think they're just in purgatory right now, which is funny because everybody would always say if you trade for Donovan Mitchell, you'll be in purgatory. But to me, they've got young players that aren't ascending as much as they should because of minutes, although they're getting more minutes. And Julius Randle being the ball-dominant guy that he is, scoring, you're not going anywhere with him in your future. So to me, they just feel kind of stuck. And they just like, they are what they are. They're a 500 basketball team right now that shows moments where they play really well. And I do think they'll they would... You know, losing R.J. Barrett and Jalen Brunson, I don't. That's a that's a heavy amount of your starters. So for them to be losing these games isn't shocking. I mean, the Maverick game was horrific, mm-hmm. of course, but they had that game the whole time without basically R.J. Barrett, who played only a minute, and then without Jalen Brunson, they went in there and almost beat Dallas in Dallas. It took a miracle and Luca to end that game. 
Uh, and then, you know, the Spurs game emotional af- after that with no one there. So, you know, I think this is a team that can a little bit over 500 win 42 to 44 games, but I would be scared of like, you know, is RJ Barrett ascending where you need him to go? Obi Toppin right now isn't even playing because he's been hurt. So that's another lottery pick that's right now is a failure for them, unfortunately. And that would scare me. They're just kind of stuck in between these two places in which direction do they choose to go in? You know, I, I, I don't know how they, I don't know if the Leon Rose and the leadership kind of has that figured out and they're kind of sailing two ships at the same time. And I just don't think they're both going to get there properly. Yeah, I mean, we've been saying it all all season, especially before the win streak. Like, Leon's been trying to have his cake and eat it, too, where he's been trying to, like, actively, uh, like, acquire younger assets and play them, but then at the same time keeping guys like this. Uh, someone compared uh, compared the situation to – someone on Twitter compared the situation to the Magic a few years ago, and I kind of agree where, like, they have a guy like Randall who's, like, similar to Vucevic where, like, he's yeah. a great player. You know that he's going to put out – you know, 20, 30 points a night and even 40 on some nights, but where does he really take you? And I, I think the, the right thing for the Knicks to do right now would be like cash in on those assets, like get those first round picks for a guy like Randall. Cause it's not doing anything for the Knicks. So I, I'm with you. Yeah. I think that's a really interesting comparison looking at those magic teams who of course were led by Evan Fournier, uh, <laughs> who was on there when he was more in his prime and, you know, uh, wasn't, uh, wasn't what he is now right now and, and hasn't played as well. Uh, and he was, I always thought Fournier then was, was a really good player. And I liked him. Uh, has, hasn't, hasn't been the same, but I think that's an interesting comparison. And if I'm in the Knicks and, you know, uh, Julius Randle, who I thought in the offseason was untradeable, has now gotten to the point where I think he is tradable based on how he's playing. You know, if you could tra- trade him to a contender, I don't know who that is, but a team that needs a third option, for example, like, you know, I'll just throw it out there, like the Phoenix Suns, who could use one more piece to help them get over the mountaintop, get to the championship, the Denver Nuggets, you know, a team that's that's there, that has a chance to win a championship, but needs that other piece. I would cash out now, get the trade, bring in more assets, and then you build around R.J. Barrett. You build around Jalen Brunson. You you build around Quentin Grimes. You you have these draft picks. You let them grow up and get older, and you see what they have. To me, you know, then you're starting to feel a little bit better about the Knicks. We're like, okay, I can see some growth. I can see some potential. And, you know, you fight for the playoffs. Learn from that experience. Get better. Uh, and let these younger players grow. That's the avenue I would take. I don't think they're that far away on that regard. Like some of these younger guys have played well in spots. You know, Grimes has played well. He had that big game versus Dallas. And then he had the poor game versus San Antonio. But you see the up and down nature of a young player. And at least as a Nick fan, you can be like, I get to enjoy the experience of watching my young players grow and get better and see what happens. And maybe Grimes then turns into an asset. Um, you know, I are bigger asset for a superstar type player. So I would try to go that avenue and, and just keep playing the younger players and, and, you know, probably have a different coach doing it. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I I at least think I think that's what they're already doing right now, because majority of the team are younger guys that are under 20, 29, 28 years old. So, you know, the bulk of the minutes are going to young guys. The what I see to be the issue is that these guys are now clocking in 42, 43 minutes per game. So the young guys are playing heavy, heavy minutes more than right. they should be. And, you know, for me, the I, I a lot of people are, are blaming tips for Cam Reddish not playing, but that's that's politics right now to me the blame should go to the front office for not trading cam yet. If that's the plan and that's you're, you're forcing your coach not to play their only wing player who is capable of right. getting the stops that you need on these lengthy teams that were playing like the Raptors and, and um, 
the Spurs and and Dallas, then then trade the guy already. What I mean, you're forcing your other players to log in these heavy minutes. Now we're seeing more injuries. It's becoming a commonplace. But you know, I've I like the way Randall's been playing. I think it's a healthy habit to win games. And I think when when the roster was there, we were winning eight games in a row. And the moment our Jalen was gone, the moment Obi was gone, the moment RJ's gone, we started losing these games, but not in bad fashion, except with the exception of the Spurs game. And that was kind of a hangover game after that Dallas L that they took. But the team's been playing well. And I think Tibbs, you can go you can go back to almost every episode in the last two seasons that we've had Nickish. I've been complaining about Tibbs, but I got to give him some credit. I think he's been a pretty good coach in the last even thir- you know 12 games minus that Spurs game. But I-, I think he's in a position where he can't play Cam and it's it's on Leon to to trade Cam right away or at least say, you know what, we're going to keep Cam, play the kid. Then that that's that's kind of where I'm at. But I think we're in a good trajectory. If we win 42 games and that's that's a successful season, a 500, uh, you know, 500 kind of level team where every player is one year older and they're all progressively getting better. I mean, IQ dropped 36 points the other night and Quinn Grimes dropped 33 points or so. Everyone's getting better, but um, yeah, I mean, do you find it comparable to the Nets team from a couple of years ago pre, you know, that D'Lo era? Yeah, a little so bit. I think I think that was probably more of the team that we saw from the Knicks from a couple of years ago in the D'Lo era when the Knicks were the four seed and they kind of overachieved, you know, when they went, they they won what, whatever it was, 42 and 30 or whatever that season won. That feels more like it there. Um, this one feels like, like I said, I think the Knicks are just kind of stuck right, in that middle middle ground. And that's why, you know, to your point, though, it, it would make sense you know, these young players are getting better and continuing to grow. That's why I'm, I'm like deal Julius Randall and continue on the mm-hmm. young movement and get more assets and go there. I think the problem getting back to the Cam Reddish thing is he might not just be very good on an NBA front. Like he had that. I, I remember the first game versus the Grizzlies where, he, you know, he hit that big shot, but he's not getting minutes. The Hawks dealt him. He just might not be very good where even if they're dealing him to the next team, he just is what he is, right? He in spurts, he can do some things. And, and I think that's the illusion and the tease for a lot of fans. And I would I would say that too. It's like when a guy has those moments where he looks brilliant, you feel it and you're like, wow, I, he should be playing more. But it might be a problem where he's just not that great and there might not be very much of a trade market. Uh, and I think, I think with Cam, it's kind of just like, that might just be it. And then at the same time, you know, when half your team's gone from injury, you got to play other guys, right? Like that's just, that's just the league. Unless it's the playoffs and a big spot, you're in the middle of game 34 of the season. You probably should give more minutes to guys and help them out. Um, he's a body. That's that's the way he, he's a body to put on the floor so your other guys then, can yeah. press and not get injured. Right. And I know Fournier then got minutes versus the Spurs and things changed a little bit. But yeah, like IQ playing that many minutes is ridiculous. And he scored all those points, but at the same time he took a million shots and he was on the guy on the floor that had to do it. I have a weird suspicion that quickly's dealt from the Knicks. He just doesn't, I don't see him in their long-term plans. And I see the Nick brass feeling they could get assets back for him and start building there. Uh, I know there's been the reports about quickly, but for me, for some reason to me, I see him uh, as a guy that's dealt at the deadline as the Knicks continue to go younger. Um, well, he even probably though he's has- only a baby. He probably has the greatest value out of those young guys, sure. maybe aside from Grimes, just because he's showing the potential now, summer league potential as well. But uh, I, I'm with you in the sense that, like, there's a huge difference between Jalen Brunson, RJ, and uh, and 
uh, Randall leading the Knicks to that 500 and IQ Grimes and RJ. Cause it's like, if you have a guy like Randall, who's 28, a guy like Jalen Brunson, who's like 27, like, of course these guys should be leading you exactly to 500. And that's why Knicks fans are upset. Cause it's like, right. we feel like something that's good is like something that would be a little bit above 500, maybe a little better, but if they deal Randall and they're playing with these young guys and that young team is what leads you to 500, you don't feel as bad. It's a way right. different path getting there. Cause then you're like, Oh, we have this young talent that's leading us there. You potentially got some assets on the way there because you dealt a guy like Randall. And I do think that the Knicks, considering all the situations I've seen over the last 10, 15 years, they're in a good spot. It's just now about the front office, how they're going to cash in these assets. And I think a huge part of it comes from utilizing the the offense more by, by changing the coach because, I don't know, I agree that Tibbs has changed his style. He's been forced. He's been forced to like play his hand and like play younger guys. But at the same time, how many coaches do you see playing a traditional center like Mitchell Robinson with another traditional big? Like he just hasn't adjusted to this this current NBA. And you're seeing other coaches do it in game, and and they're beating us. You know that's that's, that's the frustrating part. <laughs> Yeah, and I would say if you're a Knicks fan and you're thinking like when I you know watch the Knicks win a championship, who's my head coach? I think every Knicks fan would say it's not going to be Tom Thibodeau. So the idea of just having him be here now and have him with these guys is like, well, why are we wasting our time when we could bring in somebody younger who can develop young talent and let's see those that group and unit grow together? Because uh, you know, I Jalen Brunson's really good point guard. R.J. Barrett has been. Is, a, is an interesting one because of how hot and how cold he has been and being the third pick in the NBA draft, you know, what he needs to show. Is he this player? Is he that player? I know there's so much debate from Nick fans. Like, is he a star? Is he just a solid role player on a good, you know, what is RJ Barrett? But those two pieces right there to start and Grimes, and then you just load up these picks and you keep going and building, you know, that's the way to do it. So I'm, yeah, it, it the Knicks aren't in a bad place. They're just kind of stuck. And I, and I think for them to get out of this stuckness would be, would be to start to is to get rid of Randall, let the young players keep going. And then, you know, I think it's kind of interesting because like the expectations for the Knicks over the last 20 years, they have made the playoffs a couple of times. They haven't, there there has been bright moments in the last 20 years. It hasn't been completely awful. There has been good plays, the Carmelo stuff when they, when they advanced. And of course the fun year and didn't go as well as they wanted versus the Hawks, but there have been some bright moments. So it's almost as if now, because there's actual like average stability that it feels better than it, it, it is, but it's like, because it's not Phil Jackson, because it's not Isaiah Thomas, because it's not the mess that it's been like the Knicks are just a functioning regular NBA team. And now you're making decisions good or bad, how you view them. But at least it's not like hell on earth, <laughs> uh, which I experienced as a net fan for the last year and a half. <laughs> Yeah, at least it's not dysfunctional. Where right, it's regular. It's regular. Like yeah. saying that, man. But I see a, I see a five game lose streak, man. I want to flip on the TV and get a 50-50 chance of winning, mm-hmm. man. I don't like these streaks, like eight you know, in a row, crazy. five in a row. Crazy, like. it's crazy these streaks. So, so final question. Um, having seen Grimes play this season, how well he's been playing, and just from an outside perspective as a Nets fan. Do you think that the Knicks made the right decision by not trading for Donovan Mitchell with the proposed trade of Grimes, RJ, and I, I don't remember. I, I don't know if IQ is on play, but at least four or five first round picks unprotected. I was all in on Donovan Mitchell. I think that was the decision the Knicks should have made. You look at the success of the Cleveland Cavaliers. Yes, they have more talent around Donovan Mitchell, but I'm a big believer in bringing in talent and then he'll bring in more talent. 
you know, right now the Knicks have not been able to bring in free agents ever. They did bring in Jalen Brunson. It took a lot of circumstances for that to happen. My viewpoint is you bring in a, a bona fide superstar in Donovan Mitchell and the other chips will follow around him. It's not like Donovan Mitchell is 32, 33 years old. He's young himself, 25, 26. I would have gone that, gone that route brought in Donovan Mitchell and then built around him from that regard. Um, that's the way I would have done it. Like Grimes has been nice. He's had some nice plays, but you know, you go out to Seattle and you say, who's Donovan Mitchell. You say, who's Quentin Grimes. No one's going to know who Quentin Grimes is. Can he get to that level one day? Possibly, maybe, probably not. I would say take the sure thing. That's my belief and built around there and ascend up. Um, but of course, if as a Nick fan, I could totally understand. We were like, Hey, he's played well. He's young. I'm happy. He's here. I think the Knicks right now with Donovan Mitchell are a team that's, that's a lot better and a position to succeed in the future. Possibly. I, I think, and we, we've talked about this for, for so long and it, it is a little bit of an outdated topic. I was just curious. Uh, yeah. yeah. With all the, with all the role players that would have been gone. I don't know if, if a combination of Randall Mitchell and Brunson, all, you know, ball dominant guys would have been able to attain a level of success that we would have hoped for i think we would have eventually had to have dealt randall and kind of be in a position where we are today where we don't know what team he could fit in and what we could get in return but i I think we still might have been in a similar space right now we're at probably at like an 18 19 win potential right now i'm i hey as a net fan i'm very happy to see that he's not on the knicks i'm happy to see that you're asking me (laughs) questions about quentin grimes growth and not asking me questions about do you think donovan mitchell's all nba second or third team right now Mm -hmm. i'm happy to go in that direction and um i I personally just thought he would have made i think i see how nick fans get excited for guys that are average at the garden and the hype machine I couldn't even imagine what it would be like to have the best player there since mellow and have a bona fide superstar. It would have had the fan base through the roof and it would have had this team, in my opinion, in a spot where they could get greater in the future, not just this year, but years after people want to play with Donovan Mitchell. People want to be around him. Um, But again, you know, only time will tell. Uh, I was happy to see the Nets get that win in Cleveland, which was, in my opinion, their best, their best one of the year. Yeah. Yeah, hey. especially a scorer like Donovan Mitchell specifically, like in the Garden, it just it just sounds like a different electric. breed. It sounds like a different electric. breed, and um, I, I agree with both you guys. Like, it definitely is. It like Donovan Mitchell would have been an, a fantastic player to have. I think he would have made the difference between like the Knicks being like eighteen wins as opposed to like twenty two right now. You know, maybe like four or five more wins, and it would have been nice to be competitive. But as a Knicks fan who's had PTSD for so long, watching our picks just like fly by right. and seeing teams like the Nuggets pick up guys like Jamal Murray and like seeing that happen, it's like that. That's what was like a little bit worrisome to me because I get it. You can lose the players, but then once you lose the picks, it's hard to, especially in this NBA where all these players are immediately resigning their contracts instead of testing free agency. It's hard to acquire another player without having those picks. That's the only reason I was a little bit concerned, but. You're 100% right to say, like, Donovan Mitchell would have been – it would have made the season fun at least. Like, you, you could you could turn on your TV and watch Donovan Mitchell, even if you're losing. You know, watch Donovan Mitchell go for 30 points. Like. Yeah, and I think it's beyond that, right? Like, I think he would have set the foundation for this team to have a star that would have helped in the future. And I can't sit here and be like, you know, Biseglia, what is that guy? How are they doing? How does the salary cap structure work? You know they couldn't make that trade? <laughs> I get you. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, teams with stars attract stars. And I think 100%. having him at Madison Square Garden would have changed the dynamic of the Nick franchise forever. Get the superstar first, figure everything else out later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. We got our first Nets fan to join our podcast and our show. So, Mike, it's been a pleasure. Uh, for all the listeners here who want to you know, hear more on your takes, where can they follow you? Yeah, absolutely. Follow me on Twitter at Mike Delivers Pod. And then, of course, the Bad Weather Fans Podcast. I co-host it with a Nick fan at Nick Central, who I'm sure some of your listeners know on Twitter. We've had some fun guests like Tracy McGrady, Richard Jefferson, Carrie Kittles, Chris Childs. And we recently just had on Metal World Peace. So uh, we talk Knicks, we talk Nets, we talk about the rivalry, we get into all of it, and we have some fun guests. So yeah, um, I appreciate you having me on your platform. Uh, I always get juiced up to go on Nick podcast. It's always a lot of fun. So thank you for that. Anytime. I, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. It's, the pleasure is all ours. Guys, make sure you follow Mike. Make sure you check out the Bad Weather Fans podcast. And uh, give us that five-star review on our podcast on Spotify and Apple. Leave us a review. And uh, check out our website, nick-ish.com. Copy yourself some Nickish apparel, man. We have a sale going on right now. Promo code HOLIDAYNICKISH. Uh, until next time, take care. Happy New Year. Peace. Peace.